past, present, and extend this respect to any other Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who are listening in. Sovereignty has never ceded. Today you're listening to Queering the Air. And for our Radiothon edition, we have um, a very special guest. So I'm presenting today and I'm Devana. We've got Jem Mahadio. Did I say your name right? Mahadio. Mahadio. Yep. Mahadio. Perfect. And we've got Iris as well. Hi, Iris. Hi, everyone. How are you going? I'm okay. Um, how are you? Good, good. You just listen to Into Each Rain, Some Rain Must Fall by the brilliant Ink Spots. Check them out if you haven't. Each song starts the same way, so it's very distinct. Let's talk a little bit about Jem. So Jem is a Melbourne-based writer and musician who came to Australia in 1987. Her poetry has appeared in zines and online journals such as Concrete Queers, Cordite Poetry Journal, Going Down Swinging, The Suburban Review and Rabbit Poetry Journal. And in performance as part of the Quipping Troupe? Yep, Quippings. Yep. Quippings Troupe. In, two th- in April 2018, she was a successful applicant for a woman Writers of Colour Commission on the theme Collaboration through Writers Victoria. Um, I know this because I won the one last year. Oh, that's awesome. I got the anonymous donation. So when I saw that you won this, I was pretty excited. Oh, um, And she wrote a suite of three poems based on an independent video game ex- exhibited at, at Bar SK in Collingwood. Um, in 2018, she's blogging at Real Time Weekly Zine and Drink Review, which is very, very, it's very, it's got that zine kind of feel. Yep. <laughs> it's really good. I love it. Um, so on your blog, you call yourself a bitter failed musicologist at the VCA. What happened? Um, so this was before the Melbourne model came in. I got into uh, um, a combined degree, double degree arts and music. And so it's four years of music. Um, I think you get one full year of arts. You get half um, first year subjects, second year subjects, but your third year is your full third, yeah, third year. And um, the Dean of Music actually pretty much kicked me out because I I had depression while I was studying and I was taking too long to finish my degree because I'd stretched it out part-time while I was working. And um, he said, you can either so if you don't discontinue, um, we will kick you out or you can discontinue. And um, so I did that and then I got all my art subjects and all music subjects that I was able to. I got that credited towards a full arts degree. So, but yeah, I, want, I wanted to be a musicologist because that's pretty much um, everything but performance and the analysis and criticism of music. Yeah. What, is, what does a musicologist exactly do? Um, so they do research about, I guess, performance of music, um, performance practice, um, criticism. So you, mm. I guess you'd be the people that would write the reviews. Is it like music theory? They do the theory work behind the music? Um, sometimes, yep. Interesting. Um, most, I think most people will have some, even if you're a performer, you'll have background in theory. Mm. But... Um, yeah, as a musicologist, you should be able to explain it to people who don't have a background in music. Interesting. Um, have you experienced synesthesia? Because, you you know, your work spans so many different mediums and so many different mediums as well, like music and um, writing and so, games. Yeah, I didn't strictly um, experience it, but I guess because for me music, listening to music is so... I connect them to... Um, different parts of my life so for instance um as an orchestra geek in high school 
there'd be lots of pieces where when I was practicing them at home, I'd always think, oh, yeah, so um, this is when this was for this end of year concert. And these were the albums I was listening to when I was this age. So a lot of my, I guess, maybe um, my memories are tied to very strong musical associations. But, yeah, not strict synesthesia, which actually sounds pretty cool. Um, what instrument did you play or were you, did you, like, guide an orchestra or something? No, no, no. I, so I started off as a flute, um, a concert band geek. I was a flute player. Oh, wow. And I also play an instrument um, that was popular in Shakespeare's time called the viola da gamba. Yes, I've heard of it. Um, yeah. Not the da gamba part, but I've heard of the <laughs> viola. Uh, the, so the viola is, um, it's held it, like a violin, uh-huh. whereas a gamba... Yeah. Um, is held like between the legs. Oh, yeah. ooh, cool. So it sits on your knees. Wow. A bit of music history there. <laughs> um, so tell us a bit about the poetry. Um, I feel like poetry has elements of musicality in it as well with the speaking and the sound. Definitely, yeah. Um, and some of the themes that you examine in your poetry. Um, I guess I love the... Because I love the sounds of words and also... Um, Again, because of the musical background, uh, rhythm is really Mm. important and exploring the way things sound in your mouth um, definitely influences my poetry. So sometimes I will have poems that have repetition in them and it's so that the reader or the listener can, um, I guess, get a bit of um, the feeling of how, how it makes you feel when you read those words out aloud. So okay. savouring. So which themes do you tackled? Um, I know mental health is one. Yep. So I write about mental health. Um, what else? I have written some about food. Okay. Um, I did a, a sequence on um, the different ramen bowls I ate um, a couple <laughs> of years ago. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, doing one about Bloody Marys and Virgin Marys. Mm. Um, what else do I write about in poetry? Sometimes about cats, music. Beer? Pardon? Beer. Um, I have one poem about beer, yeah? Okay. <laughs> the reason I said this is Gemma's blog has um, a recommendation or a mention of beer that you drank weekly. Is that right? Yeah. So I was doing a thing where I would drink a beer and read a zine. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that there were non-alcoholic options. So I have also been drinking tea. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So I'm interested in the place poetry has in the future and if you feel like the distribution of poetry has to change for it to be heard and accessible. Um, it's been a really good time to be a poet, mm-hmm. um, particularly in Melbourne. Or bard, as Shakespeare would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the spoken word scene has grown a fair bit and um, I know a lot of people are very divided about Rupi Kaur, but I think mm, she... I like her. Yeah, she really helped to popularise um, Instagram as a medium for showing um, poetry. So it has... I think social media has helped heaps. And Nahira... Nahira Wahid, is that her name? Um, sounds familiar. She also writes about immigration and being a woman of colour on Instagram. Oh, Have awesome. you heard of her, Iris? I think you, you know yeah, that, right? I've Yeah, re- I've read... So good. Yeah. I really love her, as well as um, Rupi Kaur. Yeah. Um, there's another poet, you might have heard of her, she's Indian, um, American, and her name's Pavana Reddy. 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. She's really good and beautiful as well. <laughs> um, they're all beautiful. Um, now, I'm interested in gaming culture and how you incorporate that into poetry as well. So what happened was I had a, um, I had a desk at a place called All Day Breakfast, mm. um, which is a collective mainly of independent game designers and people that work in indie games. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't a gaming person. I was just, I just heard about it and thought, I'd, yeah, had a, a desk there for a bit. And then when I applied for the Women Writer, um, Women Writers of Colour Commission, mm-hmm. I said to them, because um, because it was on collaboration, I said I'd, what I was going to do was I was going to spend some time at Bar SK, which is actually just up the road from here, and play um, a select number of games and then write about them. And I guess I wouldn't have known about Bar SK if it hadn't have been for the time that I spent at All Day Breakfast, mm. knowing that a lot of the people that... Um, knew about All Day Breakfast had exhibited games at Bar SK. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, something I'm also very much intent on hearing about is how you have the confidence to stand before an audience and recite poetry and be very vulnerable <laughs> on stage. Like, how do you do that? And it's really groundbreaking and astonishing. And, you know, like, I'm not a poet and I don't think I ever will be, but there are other people who want to break into spoken word poetry and what are some steps they can take to kind of overcome their initial anxiety and a bit of nervousness and a bit of hesitation Um, to be you or more or less like you? I think, so I I guess maybe I was fortunate because performance in music absolutely terrified me. That was not something that came to me naturally. Whereas I feel in, um, even slam poets I think are amazing because they they will most often have rehearsed and learnt their um, their works by heart and then can just speak them to an audience, which I think is mm. amazing. So I still feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I've sometimes I, I often have a sheet where I, ha- I have my words. And I guess one of the things I could recommend to people is, um, yeah, if, if you um, find out about the open mics um, on in your community, um, go listen a couple of times mm. to the other people that are reading and then just give it a go. Normally the audiences are super, super welcoming. They will, if it, if they know that you're a first timer, they'll, yeah, they'll make an effort to make you feel welcome. And yeah, everyone's there to enjoy words and celebrate poetry. So um, it doesn't matter if you make mistakes. Cause, I agree. Yeah. I feel like the Melbourne poetry scene is very warm and welcoming and it there's really so many people is, yeah. of colour and they're really yep. welcome. It's not that, you know, they just don't casually say, oh, we want people of colour. They actually do have people of colour and they've yep. made space for it and um, it's very much integrated, I feel, in terms of diversity. And um, I feel like the Melbourne Spoken Word Poetry page yep, online website, is, yep. is a good place to kind of get some resources and maybe contact some people as well. Yeah. If any of you are interested in spoken word. Um, next thing I want to touch upon is poetry business cards, which Gemma <laughs> actually gave me today, five of them. And it was very quirky. They were basically <clears throat> these little green baby cards. And there was a line of poetry on each yep. of them. And they kind of linked together. And on the back was Gemma's website and her name. And other details about where to find it. Now, tell me a little bit about this and how it came about and your inspo behind it. So, uh, um, quite a while ago, I had a, a poem published by Island Online. 
and it was called Some Small Certainties. And um, it was a, it was a set of about maybe 12 or so statements. So for the business cards, I just picked five of the, um, I guess, ones that were fairly um, not going to be offensive, but sort of a bit silly and funny. And then, yeah, um, put them on business cards, on, on got them printed up as Moo cards. Yeah, I think I was just telling Gemma that when I kind of leave and I go around, I'm just going to give them around to people I connect and like with. <laughs> and I feel business cards, I feel like they're not as popular as they used to be, but they're so tangible and you can stick them anywhere in your room or yep. in a book. And um, it's a really wonderful way of like self-promo in a non-confrontational, non-aggressive way, I feel. Yeah. This is my card. <laughs> That's just it. And you can run off. <laughs> it's also a bit more personal when you've got mm. something that um, is, yeah, that means something to you so those statements might be a bit silly but they're from a poem i wrote so yeah um <laughs> thanks Gemma. we will get back to our interview with Gemma in a bit now we're just going to talk a little bit about the pledges we've received so far so we've, re- we've actually reached 85 percent of our target we only have 25 percent more to go yeah. we've 70, is that 75 percent is then? it 75 percent we've raised um, $860 and we only... 880 880 excuse me, 880 Um, And we need only $90 more, I think. No. 320 320 Is that it? No, does that make sense? No, 200 That looks wrong. 220 220 more to go. So I'm going to read a couple of the names out now. Tayshan Ahin. I might have said your name wrong. I apologize. From Brunswick West. Thank you very much. $25. Aiden Calabria, $30. One, one sec, Dev. Um, yeah, Tishan's a, a previous presenter on oh. Green Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's a thank, previous... Thank you so yeah, much, Yeah, like Tishan. one of the original people in... I forget how many years ago it was. That's I don't know. amazing. Um, and Tishan now does Earth Matters, and I was listening to him earlier. Thank you so much, Tishan. That's that's so nice of you. Um, Karen Phil, $500. Oh, my God. That is amazing. That's an amazing amount thank you so much so much um you're so generous if you want to call in or if you want to meet up with us we'd really love that as well we really want to meet you in person um bruce francis twenty dollars from brunswick thank you so much sally goldner 15 from bullying oh thank you sally hella ibrahim Um, who runs dj press can we talk about yeah um yes yeah, go to Hella So, Hella runs Jed Press and it's um, a publication for people of colour um, and they prioritise people of colour voices. So, go check them out and donate there as well. And um, pitch some pieces. It's really great. Hella's from Thomastown. So, you want to go, Yeah, Ice? thank you so much, Hella. That's so generous of you. Um, and definitely support Jed Press. I'll just Sally Goldner, who does Out of the Pan. Um, there. Thank you so much, Sally, and listening to you between 12 and 1 today and support out of the pan. Yep, and we've got Maria Lee. We've got Maria donated $100. That, hap- <laughs> that happens to be my mom, so shout out to my mom. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Iris's <laughs> mom. <laughs> You're a great mom. Um, Ayan Sherwa, $20. Right. Thank you, Ayan, uh, at, the, at the side today. Thank you so much. We love you so much. Erin Swift, $50. Uh, and and uh, Yeah, Erin's my friend. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you, Iris's um, friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> this well, this program literally runs because of Iris. Um, Jackie Brown, $10 from Brunswick. Thank you so much. Um, 
Libby Jameson, $100 from Carnegie. Um, I Thank love you, Carnegie. Libby. Thank you so awesome much. Um, we've also got an anonymous... Oh, no, we've got someone for, called MV who just donated $20. Yes. Was this on social media? Yeah. On Twitter? Oh, yeah. MV produces um, In Your Face on Fridays at... At 4pm, which is another queer show on 3CR. So thank you so much, MV, um, for your generous support. Thank you so much. Um, yep, so it was, um, was it 910 that we reached? I don't, I think it's 880. And you can call the station at 94198377 or um, that's 94198377 to call the station. You can also donate online at 3CR, www.3cr.org.au slash forward slash donate and yeah so we've raised 880 and we still need like 220 to go and as well as that the overall overall three crs raised 135,205 of the 250,000 dollar target so we have a long way to go we need a lot more donations to keep three cr overall on air thank you so much everyone okay back to the show now We've uh, raised $880 for our show so far, so $220 more to go. Donate online at 3cr.org.au slash donate. Um, yeah, call in at 94198377 or SMS at 048-930-855. So, Jem, let's talk a little bit about some of the designs you have on your blog and that you've created as well. Tell us a little bit about them. Um, so I have zines. Yeah, zines. <laughs> However people pronounce things. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got, um, I've mainly contributed work to existing zines. Mm. So I don't have one that I've put out um, myself just yet, but I am working on one about video games. Um, but on, so on my blog at the moment, what I've been doing is I've been reviewing a zine a week and while I drink something or listen to something. And one of the reasons I decided to do that was because I thought it would be a good way to also um, make sure that I was writing um, and reading frequently. Um, so to make sure that writer's block wasn't, yeah. I also thought it would be a really good way of just shouting out um, to someone who was also creating and... Um, it's kind of a, I guess, um, drawing attention to someone else's work for no reason whatsoever. It, like, There's it, no ulterior motive. Yeah, it was just, here's something that, that I'm reading at the moment and mm. I really, really liked it. And yeah, and if you happen to, if you want to look up the person, here's all the details that I can find on them. That's really beautiful. And I feel like um, that's one of the strengths of the zine community. It's that it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's such a non-commercial world and it's very easygoing. And people generally are interested in each other and, yep. you know, the community and all of these niche topics that are discussed. Um, so you, you're either, are you running a, f a zine workshop for Free Play Festival? or have um, you So, yeah, I ran one. You ran one. So um, yeah. Free Play was in late May. Yeah. And um, because the independent um, games community is very into DIY. We did a zine workshop. Um, it was it was really, really cool. I did one on invisible illness. Mm. And disability? Pardon? Was this disability? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and another person did one and it was it was a kind of a yearbook of everyone who was at the zine workshop mm. and we all got to draw our own portraits and stick them um, in the in the zine that she made and then she yeah took photos of it and you can see it on social media and everything it was really really cute so we didn't even know each other or we we only spent that two hours together but we have this little yearbook (laughs) that's amazing um do you like the teaching element more or do you like the creating element more with do you prefer teaching a zine workshop or do you like actually making a zine um with a zine workshop i felt like I, I always feel like I don't really – there's always going to be that sense of you don't really know enough to um, to be teaching people. So I prefer to – yeah, the approach that I prefer is always a bit more collaborative. I don't like to shoot info at people. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to another song. Um, we're going to Ghost by Albert Eiler. You're oh. listening to Queering the Air. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about – Jamie Oliver and why you dislike Jamie Oliver? Because uh, he he tries he tries to sound like he's a a man of the people, but he's not. He um, and I think some of his approaches towards food, yeah, he he tries to make it sound like it's super super easy, but there's a couple of you know access issues and um. The stuff that he, yeah, he makes it sound like everything is thrown together really easily, but he's, yeah, it's not quite that simple. Mm. Do you also feel like some of his ingredients are actually quite expensive to gather together? Yeah. As cheap as he makes it seem? Yeah. So I'm, I know he's copped a lot of criticism as well for um, school lunches. I think um, he wanted them to be healthier, but that does also mean that, that it may be the people that... Um, need those lunches might not be able to afford them because they're not yeah it they're actually quite um expensive mm. but you like nigella Lawson, yes but yes. nigella Lawson is someone has you know gotten a lot of criticism in the past why do you think she's gotten that and why do you like her so much um i like her because she feels more real and i mean admittedly she is also very seductive uh, but i mean just the way she tells stories as she's making things it just seems a lot um it seems more real if also i feel like there's an art behind the way she talks and she kind of consciously pieces words together and um even if you look at like the spoon she has and the knives like they're very well chosen they're very it's not your everyday man kind of thing yeah but that doesn't mean it's not accessible it's just mean there's an art behind everything she's picked and there's a lot of thought behind it as well and and her desserts sound divine yeah i agree and you know one thing i like about her is that when she's feeling bad she's not She's not um, someone to hold back on the cream or the strawberries or the sugar. You know, she doesn't do that. I mean, a- anyone can have the diet, any any kind of diet they want, but she is not pretentious in any sense, you know. Which she- another thing about the, the whole Jamie Oliver thing is he seems cheerful all the time, but it doesn't <laughs> always feel like a real cheerfulness. Mm. It feels very... Put on. Yeah, it does. I agree. And the thing with Nigella is, you know, she's had her troubles and it's been very public and she's had a lot of public spats, like with her ex-husband, Charles Sarchi, awful man. Um, but um, I feel like even though she's unhappy, she does bring up a 
topics about depression, about mm-hmm. needing to stay in bed, comfort food. And I feel like even though she's seductive and arty and incredibly beautiful, she does touch upon those topics, which a lot of other chefs um, or like food show hosts don't. She does yeah. like weave it into her show. And she talks about how her pantry, which she has all her food from all of the place as therapy. And I think that's such a beautiful metaphor <laughs> um, about how food can be healing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I love Nigella. I'm glad you like her as well. Um, you focus a lot about food in your blog. And tell us a little bit about the food aspect of your blog. Why um, food? Why? Okay, so I actually, um, and this is, yeah, content warning. So I actually have a background of disordered eating. Um, and then I was put on an antipsychotic for anxiety. And one of the side effects was it, um, it just made everything taste amazing Mm. made everything taste amazing made me want to eat a lot more and that was I guess that was I felt like my first introduction into how delicious food could actually be Mm. and when I started eat drink stagger when I started the blog that was because I um, wanted to make sure that I remembered those experiences even though um, so yeah I, I have depression and it's it's quite chronic in that I, I have to be on medication all the time. It's not um, episodic where it goes away and then it comes back. It's just, it's there all the time. And I guess when I started the blog, I wanted to make sure I remembered all the awesome meals I ate. Mm. Thank you for sharing that story. That's such a beautiful story. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, so a curation of your best food memories. Is that right? Um, yeah. I mean, because I guess they they were my first positive food memory mm. so everything seemed really really awesome yeah yeah so you identify as a person of color right i certainly um, do what do you think writers of color food writers of color can contribute to the food media industry which is just exploding at the moment oh um that's a tricky one because i think writers of color still don't have the same privileges as um, white writers in that if, um, I guess, with with writers of colour, there's an insinuation that you only talk about the, the culture that you know, whereas which, um, which for, for white writers is not so, um, it's not as enforced. Mm. But um, I think it's, Probably, well, I personally, maybe I'm biased. It's really exciting time to be a writer of colour because you, and especially if you're brought up in the West, it means that you've actually got a few cultures you belong to Mm. and you become fluent in talking about those. Through experience, not just by generalisation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which a lot of white writers possibly wouldn't have that same kind of connection. Yeah. That cross-cultural connection. Yeah. And it's really interesting because... You know, like a lot more people of colour travelling for all sorts of reasons, sometimes Mm -hmm. not for pleasure either, it's just for a better standard of living. And whenever um, I was speaking to someone who has a Somalian background and whenever she goes to, um, like whenever her family has Italian food, for example, they'd add Somalian herbs or Somalian flavours to it. And um, (laughs) so they would have Italian food, but it would be not appropriate, but it would be adjusted and influenced by the environment they were around. And I think that's happened to a lot of Indian food as well, for example, where... Um, 
you know, British Indian food is very different to the Indian food in Australia, for yep. example. And it's very different to the, the South or the North Indian food we have in Sri Lanka. Um, and I think it's really beautiful how when you take these ethnic or native foods to different places, they kind of latch onto the environment around them. Um, I can think of an excellent example. Yeah. Uh, for my birthday, I went to a brewery called Torboy and Moose in Preston. Mm-hmm. And they've got a street kitchen set up in there called Wee Man's Kitchen. And it's um, fusion food. Mm. It's um, Scottish and Indian fusion. Mm. They had black pudding pakoras and they were amazing. (laughs) They were so delicious. Probably really, really unhealthy, but so good. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm really loving how food is evolving. Um, (laughs) Again, content warning, but I was reading this article by Anthony Bourdain, who just passed away, unfortunately, recently. Yeah. We should mention him because we are talking about food writing and um, food writers as well. Um, and he was talking about how when he was a cook and he was a chef, um, the food in the kitchen was all butter and it was all rotten, you know, like fermented cabbage and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, and you can't really expect food to be clinically clean. However, there's a million hands touching it and poking and prodding your food. And it was all just meat and broth and, um, you know, so, so much animal flavor. And he was talking about how he hated vegan food and these non-meat things that are popping up. And I was just thinking about how food... Because of the demand for like vegan meat or you know non non meat meats or fake meats, how the food culture itself is changing and this is unprecedented. We're going into territory where there are new ingredients or new things being formulated which have never been used before. Yep. And I think that's really interesting. Um. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain is also very very noteworthy in that he um and this is obvious Mm. on social media. A lot of people have just come out and said that he was one of the few, um, I guess, white writers who didn't exoticize. Mm, he didn't, yes. Yeah. Fun fact, he actually um, met my auntie right on, like uh, my auntie's my neighbor. Oh and, my gosh. Um, my mom and, sees, and I saw him in 2007 in Sri Lanka. He came to eat her, um, well, it's it's this burger food, it's called Lampreis. Mm-hmm. It's um, Sri Lankan food that's influenced by the Dutch and Portuguese who colonized our country, and he came to eat it because my aunt had the best um, had the best lamprey. So we saw him; he was very tall, very loud. Um, <laughs> but no, he didn't exotify any of our food, and it was very impressive to see that. Oh, I've just received a donation from Hope. Uh, thank you so much, Hope. Um, Hope's a very lovely friend of mine. Oh, thank you so much, Hope. This is so lovely. $30 from Hope. I Thanks. know. Yay. So generous. Yeah. And Hope is also now on Women on the Line. Used to be on Tuesday Breakfast. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, back to yeah, back to Anthony Bourdain. Um, was he someone that you read and you personally resonated with? Um, my best friend sent me a copy of Kitchen Confidential and I read it in one day. Just gobbled it up, I think, just after Christmas. It was so good. It was... He it, when one thing I really liked about his writing was he you really felt like he was talking to you, mm. even though you could be anyone. And he was pretty, pretty upfront about his demons. He didn't he didn't try to glorify no um, some of the toxic conditions in which he worked in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he was also really committed to making conditions less toxic. He did try. So it was it was quite sad to hear of his passing. 
It is. It was. Yeah, I agree. Um, another thing that I really liked about Anthony Bourdain was that the more he learned about the history, for example, he hates Henry Kissinger because of what he did to Vietnam, and yes. he's very upfront about it. And I yes. think that's so beautiful. Um, that he can go against someone in his own country like this. You know, like Henry Kissinger has gotten this almost mythical status in America, even though he's a horrible man. Yep. Controversial and horrible. But um, Anthony Bourdain was outright like, nope, don't like him. Not what he after he did to Vietnam. And Vietnam was one of Anthony Bourdain's favorite places. And he met Obama there for the meal. I, oh, gosh, I saw that. The that sausage was... and the beer. Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, we're on Queering the Air with Jim today. So, please donate. Um so you can donate online. So go to 3cr.org.au slash donate. Um, overall, the station has raised more than $144,721 of wow. out of our $250,000 um, target. So, um, yeah. So right now we raised 880 Well, I think it's 910 now. 910 Thanks actually. To Hope. Thank um, you, Hope. And, um, yeah, it's 180 80 to 180, go. 180 no, go. No, I think I've done the maths wrong there. 910. <laughs> 190 to go. 190 to go. Yay, Hope. Thank you so much. So now we're just going to go to another song. We've got um, Barnyard Scuffle Shuffle by Art Ensemble of Chicago. Go check them out. They're such a good jazz band. And we've got Jim. Before we run mm. back to our interview... Um, I just want to really quickly mention the names that have interview um, have pledged and donated so far. We've got Tayshan, Aiden, Karen. Thank you again, Karen. Bruce, Sally, Golner, Hella, Maria, Ian, Erin, Jackie, Libby, Hope, um, and MV. Thank you so much for pledging and donating. Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank we you. would love to meet you all in person as well. So just send messages to our Facebook. Um, querying the air page and we will possibly organize a tea session <laughs> for all of you um, so that you can all meet each other and be great together um, so back to the interview so we've got um, Jem today hi Jem hey. so 2018 oh. has been a very busy year for you um, you produce reviews for the Melbourne Spoken Word website um, you're part of the committee and communications for the Melbourne uh, Women's Melbourne Network. Yep. You are running literature classes at Laneway Learning and a blog. Um, how do you juggle all of these activities and how do you stay on top of things? Um, ooh, I guess good time management and um, I think being chronically ill as well is mm. so you know what your limitations are and I... Um, I do things in spurts. Yeah. So there'll be times when I can't, and I will also let people know that I'll be getting, you know, more downtime and not working so hard on one thing. So I think, for instance, some um, Women's Melbourne Network, I'm, I haven't been doing much with them this month, but I've told them that's because I'm quite busy with other things. But then the months that I'm not busy with other things, then I can devote more energy and time to, to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you like, I know that with you know with the arts, people have to do do more and more. Yep. Just to stay relevant, they have to juggle multiple positions, usually unpaid. They've got to be on committees. They've got to have personal projects, multiple personal projects on social media. You know, what about people who want to do very little and stick to their lane? How would they kind of stand out and still survive? 
Any tips for them? Um, I think that's definitely possible. You just, if you have one thing that you're working on and that's the only thing you want to work on, then just um, make that known. Mm. And people tend to respect that. Like, I mean, yeah. If people know that you're available to do lots of things um, and you say, here, I'm available to do lots of things, then other creatives will sometimes approach you. But if you also say, at the moment, I'm just working on this one thing and just want to work on that and do really well on that, then that, yeah, that's, I, I hope that's more than okay. It should be because burnout is a very, very real possibility and you don't want that to happen because, um, and I guess another thing is, um, I know that when I'm at, when I'm at my healthiest, that's also when I happen to be producing my best work. I agree. Yeah, yeah. You definitely do not have to be unwell to produce creatively. Um, or push your best yourself work. to a state mm. of being unwell, which a lot of people do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I've, there's so much pressure, especially I, I guess in different festivals, seem to put so much pressure on people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you experienced this, Iris? No, I've seen it for other friends. I yep. haven't been that, that, oh, yeah, I haven't really experienced that myself, but I've seen it with other people. And because of the level of unemployment, some people, they feel they need to compensate and they push themselves to almost an unhealthy state in order to kind of feel relevant, feel like, you know, they're doing their part. And I think that's a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Because um, I feel like people who are employed, they usually come home at 12. I know because I used to live with a lawyer and he used to come work and not work it was like how do you have a job <laughs> um that's another topic we'll probably touch upon for another <laughs> episode but um another thing we really want to talk about is um avoiding burnout do you have any tips Gemma? um spend spending time alone um mm. and getting to know what you like when you're relaxed by yourself it, it, it doesn't i doesn't matter how boring it sounds to other people um get comfortable with what um you need it might just be a hug from your partner or your cat um i love cats so i'm all about the hugs with cats and hot drinks Mm um yeah and uh, well and games so i do have a couple of games that i play and when i'm working on um things to deadline I will go, okay, I'm going to play this game for half an hour and then after that half hour is over, then I'll go back and try and write some more. That's so amazing. Yeah, just, that's a good just little things like that. Yeah, micro-actions. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, next is a rapid-fire question, which is a new segment <laughs> in my um, show. Ooh. So, Jim, I'm just going to be firing questions at you. Um, quick answers. Yep. The first thing that pops into your mind. Don't feel the need to be, he- um, to be perfect with these. Um, go to brunch meal. Ooh, um, poached eggs. How do you like your coffee? Uh, strong, latte. Um, favorite type of roast? Ooh, pork? No, not um, roast coffee. Oh, the oh. Type. <laughs> this is Melbourne. <laughs> um, I don't really know. Yeah. Okay. Mine is Colombian. I Because ca- I can't drink a lot of coffee mm. because of my antidepressants. Ooh, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. No worries. <laughs> favorite horn for hipster food? Um, <laughs> hipster food, favorite one. Um, probably an ex- um, um, overly expensive burger place. Where is it? Um, oh, Huxterburg is pretty good. Okay. Their burgers are really, really dirty and <laughs> sexy and cheesy. That'll do. Um, favorite horn for ethnic food? 
um, oh, um, Tamil Feast at Ceres in Brunswick. Amazing, amazing, amazing. What type of food is it? It's um, Tamil. Oh, Tamil food. Yep. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, yeah the, I agree. Their food, their flavours are incredible. So, so um, good. Apple cider or red wine vinegar? Um, apple cider. Favourite type of milk? Almond, soy, rice or oat? Coconut. Co- there we go. <laughs> you that apples or pears? Uh, pears. Okay, fair enough. Oranges or mandarins? Uh, mandarins. I like mandarins as well. I actually have an Aesop, I say it wrong, face cream, which smells like freshly opened mandarins. And whenever I put it on my <laughs> face in the morning and in the night, it just brings those wonderful memories back. They're less messy as well. They aren't. I agree. And they're easy to open. Yep. Um, apple juice or orange juice? Orange. Me too. Sunday roast or afternoon tea? Afternoon tea. Um, scones or biscuits? Scones. Favorite types of noodle? Uh, ooh, ramen? Fair enough. Um, use one adage to describe no- zoodles. Oodles? Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Hottest food show host? Ooh, um, 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 I can't think of any. Nigella? Um, other than Nigella, because we've already discussed her. We'll go with Nigella. You can come back to it if you think of someone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, red, white, brown, or black rice? Ooh, black rice. Mm-hmm. I agree. Black sticky rice pudding is amazing. Yes. Favorite yes, yes. Asian dessert? I just said black sticky rice, but. Asian dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, anything with coconut? Mm-hmm. Bubble tea or matcha? Matcha. Um, favorite pie type? Ooh, um, old school British meat pie. Mm-hmm. Like okay. chicken and leek Shepherd's or something. Pie? Or shepherd's or pie. Or shepherd's pie, yeah. Almonds or pistachios? Uh, pistachios. Ginger garlic or curry leaves? Ginger garlic. Ginger garlic, okay. Yeah. Go to chips flavour? Um, salt and vinegar. Very British. <laughs> kind of missing the UK. <laughs> I always end up going there. I don't really know why. <laughs> um, you're in bed. It is raining like it is today. It's pouring. You are exhausted. What's your go-to comfort food? Describe in detail in honor of Nigella. Um, oh, so there would have to be a really strong cup of tea and digestives. It's so British. <laughs> I, I know, but they are so good. I know. You can't stop eating them. Yes. Um, so today is Radiothon. So um, donate now at 3cr.org.au 94 19 83 yeah, um, that's 3cr.org.au and you can call it 94198377. We're just going to quickly run through the people that have donated and pledged so far. Um, please message us on Facebook and we'd love to organize a meetup for you. Um, Tation, Aiden, Karen, Bruce, um, Sally, Hella, uh, Maria, Ian, Erin, Jackie, Libby, MV, and Hope. Thank you so much. That's our show today. Thank you, Iris, for coming. Ever so expendable. Um, go Scorpio. <laughs> and we've got the lovely Gemma as well, who's a Pisces. Oh, God, water signs are so reliable. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, this is our last show for... T- sorry, this is not our last show, but you can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au slash Queering the Air. Um, next up is Hip Sister Hop, and this is our last song, not last show, and it's Together featuring Omar Musa.